the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you hear. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached. And that's all you need to say. That's it. Go tell John about all of these miracles, and it's sufficient. John will understand. The John Jesus was talking about was John the Baptist, who for some reason had a moment of doubt and sent someone to ask Jesus if he was indeed the Messiah. In J.R.R. Tolkien's book, The Lord of the Rings, the people of Gondor recognized Aragorn as their true king, in part by his healing skills. Part of how we identify Jesus as the king of the universe is by his infinite healing power. Today on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve Kreloff will continue teaching from the Gospel of Matthew. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Today's class is the first part of a three-part message discussing the king's authority over disease. We have just finished the Sermon on the Mount, and now we are moving on to chapter 8 of Matthew's Gospel. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus demonstrated his kingship by his authoritative teaching. We are now about to see how he demonstrated his divine authority by his miraculous works. Now, here is Pastor Steve with our lesson. Well, let's open our Bibles once again to the Gospel of Matthew. We're looking at Matthew chapter 8. I want to read to you verses 1 through 4. It's our study today. Matthew chapter 8. We have finished with the Sermon on the Mount, but we have not finished with the Gospel of Matthew. We have a long ways to go. Matthew chapter 8. When Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him, and a leper came to him and bowed down before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, but go, show yourself to the priest and present the offering that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. With these words, the gospel of Matthew picks up right where it left off before the Sermon on the Mount. If you look back at the closing verses of chapter 4, you'll see what Jesus had been doing prior to giving his sermon on the mount. Matthew chapter 4, beginning at verse 23, tells us what was going on. Jesus was going through all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. The news about him spread throughout all Syria And they brought him all who were ill, those suffering with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. So Matthew tells us 
that Jesus had been traveling around the Galilee region of Israel, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. So we learn from this that our Lord had been involved in extensive teaching ministry as well as as he taught, he also healed those who were sick and diseased. And that's why we read that large crowds followed him. They not only wanted to hear what he had to say, but they also wanted to be healed. Large crowds who were quite ill followed him. And so as chapter 5 begins with the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew tells us that when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, the disciples came to him. In other words, seeing that there were so many people following him, Jesus took the opportunity to teach them. And thus we have his Sermon on the Mount. And now that the sermon is over, we're told that at the end of chapter 7, as we saw last week, that the crowds were just amazed. They were astonished at his words because we're told that he spoke as one having authority. Not like the normal Jewish rabbis and scribes and and Pharisees. Because rather than quoting some human authority's words, Jesus as the divine king used his own authority to explain the meaning of scripture and tell people, what God expects of them in terms of how they are to live. And when he finished his authoritative teaching, Matthew now tells us in chapter 8, verse 1, that when Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. So after going up on this mountain or hill to teach this large crowd, Jesus now, we're told, comes down from this hill and the large crowd continues to just follow him. Now, it's at this point in the narrative, the inspired writer Matthew does something that may surprise you. You may not realize this. Instead of telling us what happened next in the chronological order of events, Matthew does something a little different. Instead of telling us of the events in the life of Christ as they happen in an orderly sequence, in a chronological sequence, Matthew instead presents his material in topics. You may not know that, but that's helpful in our understanding of this gospel. Now, what this tells us is that Matthew must have had a specific purpose, a theological purpose, in choosing to present his material topically rather than chronologically. In other words, he thought this thing through. He didn't just set out one day to to write whatever came to his mind. He thought this through. As God inspired him, Matthew also used his, his human reasoning, the Lord certainly guided all of it, to, to bring things together, and Matthew designed his gospel to communicate exactly what he wanted communicated. And he did have a specific purpose in mind. Matthew, like the other three gospel writers, never intended to write a general biographical account of the life of Christ. That is not what the four gospels are about. In writing about the earthly ministry of Jesus, Matthew specifically directed his ministry to a Jewish audience. And therefore, he designed his gospel message in such a way that it would emphasize one primary truth, though there are a lot of other truths that are connected to it. The one primary truth that Matthew was conveying to the Jewish people is that Jesus is Israel's promised king and Messiah. This is the book of the king, the book of the kingdom. Therefore, his entire gospel revolves around that one basic theme. This is the message of the king. This is the book of the king. Jesus Christ is the true king. He's the genuine king and Messiah. And that's why there are more references to the Old Testament messianic prophecies in Matthew's gospel than any other gospel accounts. 
more than, more than any other writer wrote them. And that's why in this gospel account, we have frequent references and occurrences of the expression, the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because the Jewish people were looking for the kingdom of heaven, as well as they would certainly be aware of all the messianic prophecies. So this is the gospel of Messiah King and his kingdom. And that's why when Matthew opened his book, he opened it with the genealogy and the birth of Jesus in order to convey to us that he alone has the legal and divine credentials to be the legitimate king. In chapter 2, he proceeds to tell us something that no other gospel writer tells us. He tells us about wise men who came from the east. Why did they come from the east? They came to, to Jerusalem looking and then ultimately to Bethlehem looking for the king of the Jews. Why does Matthew tell us that? Because that's, this is the message of the king. In chapter 3, he tells us about an interesting and unusual character named John the Baptist, the man who was prophesied in the Old Testament to be the king's forerunner. He's the one who announces that the kingdom is at hand, so repent. In chapter 4, Matthew gives us the story about Christ's temptation. Why does he do that? In order to reveal that Jesus is king even over Satan. And even over sin. And then in chapters 5 through 7, it's recorded for us the Sermon on the Mount. Now, Luke does mention some of the Sermon on the Mount, but nothing of the detail that that Matthew goes into. Why? Because the Sermon on the Mount is about the king telling his disciples how to live as citizens of his kingdom. You see, Matthew had this all in mind when he wrote this, this book. There's a plan. There's direction. He, he has the intention of convincing his readers that Jesus is exactly who he claimed to be, Israel's king and Messiah. And that's why as he continues giving his gospel message, Matthew breaks down the various events of the life of Christ into topics because he, he wants to drive home the truth of his kingship. And the topic that he decided to cover immediately following the Sermon on the Mount, the topic that we're going to now study this week and weeks to follow is the topic of miracles, the miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in chapters eight and nine, Matthew chooses to record nine specific miracles. Now he could have chosen out of, out of thousands of, of miracles, he could have chosen any of them, but he chooses by the spirit of God to record nine miracles that Jesus performed. Why is it so important to tell us about miracles? Because the supernatural miracles of Jesus Christ demonstrated and authenticated the fact that he was the true king and true Messiah promised to Israel. See, Christ's miracles proved and confirmed his verbal claim that he was the son of God and Israel's true king. Because only God could perform the supernatural miracles, the power over disease, demons, nature, And the Jewish people, this is important to understand, the Jewish people of Christ's day knew and expected that when Messiah arrived, he would come doing miracles. And that's precisely why Paul, years later, in 1 Corinthians says, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, that the Jew seeks for a sign. The Jewish people were sign-oriented. They understood from the Old Testament that when the Messiah came, when he established his kingdom, when he would come with his kingdom, he would come with these miraculous signs. Let me read this to you. For example, in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 29, verses 18 and 19, we read this. On that day, meaning the the day when Messiah comes, on that day the deaf will hear the words of the book. 
And out of their gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind will see. The afflicted will also increase their gladness in the Lord. And the needy of mankind will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. On that day, he'll come and the blind will see. The deaf will hear. Isaiah 35, just a few chapters later, verses 4 through 6. Say to those with anxious heart, Take courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come, but he will save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened. The ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute will shout for joy for waters will break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. This is precisely, folks, why, if you'll recall that very interesting encounter that, that Jesus had with some of John the Baptist's disciples, do you remember in John chapter, or rather Matthew chapter 11, we're told that John had a momentary uh, time of, of doubt. He wasn't sure he had been put in prison. He wasn't sure if Jesus was the, the Messiah or should we expect someone to come beyond you? And so we read this in Matthew chapter 11. Now, When John, while in prison, heard of the works of Christ, he sent word by his disciples. He said to him, are you the expected one or shall we look for someone else? Now, notice how Jesus responded. Jesus answered and said to them, go and report to John what you hear. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached. And that's all you need to say. That's it. Go tell John about all of these miracles And it's sufficient. John will understand. Remember also in Matthew chapter 12, when the Pharisees accused our Lord of casting out demons, they said, by Beelzebub, cast out demons by by Satan. Jesus responded. This is a profound truth. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, but if I cast out demons by the, the spirit of God, if I'm doing these works, these miracles by God's spirit, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. In other words, by my miracles, you can now know that the kingdom is here because I'm giving you a taste of kingdom power. You know that when the kingdom is established, it comes with these miracles. I'm giving you a taste of those miracles now. And so as we continue in our study of Matthew's gospel, we need to understand that Matthew has a purpose in telling us about Christ's miracles, and that purpose is to establish our Lord's authority as the king. See, Jesus has just revealed Christ's kingship by his words in the Sermon on the Mount. He's he's just revealed it. Matthew now moves on to revealing Christ's kingship by his works in performing miracles. In other words, in his sermon, Christ spoke with authority, but in his miracles now, he will act with authority. And that's exactly Matthew's intention. That's what he has in mind. And the first series of miracles that Matthew records for us has to do with, with Christ healing three individuals who were afflicted with serious disease. First, as we study today, we're going to see a Jewish man who had the disease of leprosy, a horrible disease, as you will hear. A Gentile man who was paralyzed and Peter's mother-in-law who had a fever, perhaps malaria, though we are not specifically told what it was. And each of these healings confirms the same essential truth. This is the king who has authority over disease. But I want you to know they do more than that. As we go through these stories about our Lord healing these individuals, we're going to learn some marvelous truths about the character of our king. These are not simply 
presented to us in a generic way. Matthew didn't say, well, Jesus healed this leper and Jesus healed this. Uh, He didn't do that. Entwined in all these stories, you see the character of Christ. You see him reach out and minister to hurting people. And though scripture reveals that it's not always God's will to heal everyone, Christ's character never changes. And so there are enduring and timeless truths and lessons to learn from how he ministered to people that we can apply to our own lives. And the first healing that Matthew tells us about concerns a man who was inflicted with the dreaded, and I mean dreaded, disease of leprosy. But as we see his healing, we're going to see the king's character. We're going to gain insight into his, his attributes in action as he goes through this cleansing of this man's leprosy. So in presenting the king's authority over the disease of leprosy, Matthew shows us, and it's very easy outline to follow. I encourage you to take notes, write this down. Three attributes of Jesus. We're going to see three attributes of Jesus. And the first attribute of Jesus that Matthew shows us is that, number one, he is approachable. It's a precious truth. It's a precious passage. He is approachable. We begin with verse two. And a leper came to him and bowed down before him. Matthew has decided that the best place to begin revealing Christ's kingly authority over disease was by telling us about the time that a leper came to Jesus for healing. And the reason this is the best place to begin is because in the ancient world, leprosy was the most dreaded, the most fearful, the most terrible of all diseases. And most of us don't have a whole lot of knowledge about leprosy. So I want to read to you from the commentary of of, uh, Matthew by Dr. William Hendrickson, what he has to say about leprosy. And he makes it clear in the footnote that after consulting with several renowned, renowned physicians about leprosy, he has some knowledge of it. And here's what he has to say. It's a little bit lengthy, but it will arrest your attention. The disease which we today call leprosy, I might add, it's also called Hansen's disease, but the disease which we today call leprosy generally begins with pain in certain areas of the body. Numbness follows. Soon the skin in such spots loses its original color. It gets to be thick, glossy, and scaly. In fact, the affliction is called leprosy because it makes the skin scaly. The Greek word lepos or lepes, meaning scale. As the sickness progresses, the thickened spots become dirty sores and ulcers due to poor blood supply. The skin, especially around the eyes and ears, begins to bunch with deep furrows between the swelling so that the face of the afflicted individual begins to resemble a lion. Fingers drop off or are absorbed. Toes are affected similarly. Eyebrows and and eyelashes drop out. By this time, one can see that the person in this pitiful condition is a leper. By a touch of the finger, one can also feel it. One can even smell it, for the leper emits a very unpleasant odor. Moreover, in view of the fact that the disease-producing agent frequently also attacks the, the larynx, the leper's voice acquires a grating quality. His throat becomes hoarse, and you can now not only feel, see, and smell the leper, but you can hear his rasping voice. And if you stay with him for some time, you can imagine a peculiar taste in your mouth, probably due to the odor. All the senses of the well person are engaged in the detection of the leper. And so you can understand just from from that why leprosy was the most feared of all diseases in the ancient world. And in its advanced stage, it just disfigured people and made them, quite frankly, repulsive. 
There was absolutely no known medical treatment for leprosy that time. It was more, uh, it was more than a disease that just caused the body to, to rot away. If it was just that, it would be horrible. But on top of that, leprosy had tremendous social implications because this disease was contagious. According to Leviticus 13, an individual with leprosy was commanded. This is what the law said, commanded to live alone. Could live in a, in a colony of lepers, but he couldn't live and be by those who didn't have this disease. So he was to have no social contact with non-lepers. Wherever he went, it was commanded that he would cover his, his mouth and cry out, unclean, unclean, wherever he went, because that was to warn people to keep away from him. Could you imagine that? Always covering your mouth, having to cry out with that raspy throat and and grating voice, unclean, unclean. And so this disease carried with a tremendous social stigma, made it different from all other diseases in the ancient world. No one touched a leper. No one wanted to be around lepers. Lepers were forbidden to enter synagogue services and even worship at the temple in Jerusalem. In fact, it wasn't even allowed for a leper to enter the city of Jerusalem, nor could he enter any walled city. So he always had to be outside of of a city. And to make matters worse, instead of demonstrating God's mercy and compassion towards lepers, the Jewish leaders of that day made it worse for them because they were extremely harsh in their treatment of lepers. The rabbis taught that no one was to greet a leper. And in their religious writings, they they actually made it a, a law, a command, that the Jewish people would stay at least six feet from a leper. And if the wind was blowing in that direction, then it was it had to be a minimum of 150 feet away. Listen to the cruelty that comes through the quotes of some of the rabbis. One ancient rabbi said this, and I quote, when I see lepers, I throw stones at them lest they come near me. Another rabbi said, I would not so much as eat an egg that was purchased on a street where a leper had walked. How cruel. The Jewish historian Josephus, who uh, lived about the time of, of Christ, summarized the official Jewish treatment of lepers when he said lepers were treated as dead men. That's how they were treated. Horrible. So no doubt this leprous man who came to Jesus had experienced all the social degradation and humiliation that accompanied this disease. And you might wonder, well, how advanced was it? Maybe he just just started to get leprosy. Maybe it wasn't that bad. No, it was bad. Because Luke mentions this account too, as well as Mark. And in Luke's gospel account, Luke tells us something that only a physician would think of. Luke was a doctor. And Luke is careful to point out that this man was full of leprosy. It's Luke 5, 12. In other words, the disease had run its course. It was, it was in an advanced stage, which means his body was mutilated from head to, head to toe. He was rotting away. He had a stinking odor and he was repulsive to look at. And it is in this wretched state that we're told that he came to Jesus and he bowed down. The, the word for bowed down is the thought of he worshiped him. It's like kissing the ground. He bowed before Christ in a worshipful manner. We will see how Jesus dealt with this unfortunate man in our next verse-by-verse. This leprous man was an incredibly accurate picture of an unsaved person. Only Christ can heal us of that incurable, stinking disease of sin. Jesus is wonderfully available to the sinner who wants to be cleansed of his or her sin. It was a joy to have you in our class with us today. I hope you can return and hear Pastor Steve Kreloff continue this three-part message about the king's authority over disease. 
Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. He has been serving there for over 27 years, and these radio Bible classes are an extension of that ministry. If you would like to hear this entire message all at one time, we make available both CDs and audio cassettes with each message. To order one for yourself, please call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. I am continually amazed at how available Jesus made himself. His ministry consisted of one apparent interruption after another. But they were not really interruptions, were they? They were divine appointments. Now, how available are you and I for those divine appointments? When someone needs our help or maybe just a listening ear, are we willing to pause in our own agendas to meet their needs? Jesus was and still is. We learned today that Jesus was available, and on the next verse-by-verse, Pastor Steve will show us another of Jesus' wonderful qualities. This program is a production of Verse-by-Verse Ministries. Please visit us on the web at versebyverseradio.org. I'm Peter Silsap. I hope to see you then. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's verse by W262CP. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.